Good morning, Highland. Uh, could I invite you to stand if you're able? Uh, we won't stand for too long, but um, it's good to be together. It's really good coin flip last night, Suzanne Allman. That was cool. <laughs> um, it was par uh, family weekend, so we have some, some guests here from Albuquerque and other places. So, And God blessed us with a lot of rain this weekend, like Abilene turned green overnight. So somebody said the game, it's so green, and I said it wasn't last week. But. God is good. So let's engage our hearts in worshiping Him. Spirit of the living God. 
this morning. Uh, we're in a series called Deliver Us, and we're starting a new um, juncture, a new section. We're moving into section two today. So I want to start by the reading of Psalm 103, and later you're going to hear uh, Romans chapter eight. It's going to be a great day. Everything we're singing and saying today just talks about how you've been delivered from your sin. You're free in Christ. So we're celebrating the good news. Psalm 103, praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins 
heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit, and crowns you with love and compassion. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us as according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Amen. Amen. The word of the Lord. Be seated. I want to share with you a couple of videos. Last week in second service, uh, Braley Aston was baptized. So we're going to see that. And then yesterday, Brad and Caitlin East baptized Sam and Rowan at Jacob's Dream. So you're going to see that video. So let's enjoy celebrating with these two families. Good morning, Highland. Morning. We, are, we are the Astons. My name's Todd. I'm Braley. And I'm Breck. Braley asked to be baptized and said, I'm understanding more about God and wanting him more in my life. So, Braley, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? I do. Do you believe that Jesus came to earth, died for our sins, and was raised to life by God? Yes. Based on your confession, we now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for forgiveness of your sins and newness of life in Jesus Christ. Boys, do you desire to be baptized? Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? I do. Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? <laughs> Will you who witness these words and vows do all in your power to support Sam and Rowan in their life in Christ? <laughs> Sam, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit for the remission of your sins, that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, adoption as God's Son, and the hope of eternal life. Amen. Rowan, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, for the remission of your sins, that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, adoption as God's Son, and hope Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of his spirit, washed in his blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect 
submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, unhappy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong, a perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that stands. No tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end to all my sin. Amen. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on Him and pardon me. To look on Him and pardon and lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself I cannot die, my soul is purchased by his blood, my life is hid with on high with Christ my Savior and my God with Christ my Savior and my God Amen So please join me in a time of prayer I will word a specific prayer and then we will all say Lord hear our prayer and the screen will prompt you Lord God, we first come to you in gratitude for the ability to worship together as one body. We also pray for your restoration as we join Pam and Daryl Malden in grieving Pam's father, Joe, who passed away this week. We also pray for Kay Meredith and Larry Copeland in their journey to healing and relief from pain. We pray to the Lord, Lord, hear our prayer. God, we pray for your restoration in our community and for our neighbors here in Abilene, whom we hope to always serve in new and better ways. 
Help us to keep our eyes open for opportunities to demonstrate your love. May our doors and hearts be wide open to those you bring to us. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. We pray finally for your hand of restoration in the work of our sister ministries abroad. From Urban Light and the Chengdoi Church in Thailand, Crescimento Limpo in Itu, we are grateful for their witness in the world. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Now please join me in praying the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned. I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be? You, my King, would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. Sing that again. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken and I'm accepted you were condemned I'm alive and well your spirit is within me because you died and rose again amazing love how It's 
table of communion. In just a moment, the trays will be passed. There are two cups stacked together. One holds the bread and the other the juice. Hold them until we all have been served and then we'll take communion together. Communion is a sacred time for followers of Jesus. We examine our hearts and we ask God to show us anything that hinders our relationship with him. We are his beloved. His son's death was the penalty for our sin. The price he paid covers our sin for all time, which gives us the desire and motivation to allow Christ and invite Christ to live his life through us to the glory of God the Father. Servers, please begin passing the trace. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilled. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace. grace freely bestowed on all who believe all that are longing to see his face will you this moment his grace receive grace grace god's grace grace that will pardon and cleanse within that is greater than all our Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, as we take the bread representing your life that was broken for us, we remember and celebrate your faithfulness to all who will receive you. You took the sting of a painful death for us. You died for us. Thank you for your extravagant love and unmerited favor. Thank you that your death gives us life, abundant life now and eternal life forever. We receive this bread in remembrance of you. Amen. The body of Christ. And in the same way we take this cup, representing your blood poured out on the cross, we realize that you were the supreme sacrifice for our, all our sin, past, present, and future. Because of your blood shed for us and your body broken for us, we can be free from the power and penalty of sin. Thank you for your victory over death. You took the death that we deserved. You took our punishment. Today we remember and celebrate the precious gift of life you gave us through the blood that you spilled. Amen. The blood of Christ. The Lord be with you. Make me more free, free me, more free from my old life, more free in my new. Make me more free, free me, more free in loving you with wings like Glory to glory. 
and I serve as the executive minister here. We're glad you've chosen to join us on this beautiful day, either online or here in person. Right now, I'd like to invite our children who are ages three years old through kindergarten to go out these doors to His Kids Worship where Miss Ashley is waiting to welcome you. If you're visiting with us today, want to become a member, or know more how you can get involved at Highland in a new way, we'd love to hear from you. We invite you to fill out a Connect card that you can find in the seat back in front of you, and you can fill it out and place it in the offering boxes along the back wall, or you can go to highlandchurch.org connect and fill out a digital form. We, or you can also find someone wearing a name tag like this, and we can help you find the information that you need, or at least we'll do our very best to do so. Another way to learn more about Highland is to attend a special pop-up class called Highland 101 that meets today immediately after this service at 10 a.m. in room 111. It's located right off the South Atrium Hallway. Next Sunday, September 24th, we're hosting a Connections Lunch immediately after second service. We'll gather in the atrium for a delicious fajita lunch, and you'll have the opportunity to meet some of our elders and our ministers and hear more about Highland and how you can join us in our mission and vision and ministry here, and you'll get to make some connections with some new people. We need to know if you're planning to join us so Jim can fix plenty of fajitas. So you can RSVP in one of two ways. You can um, 
do the QR code that's on the screen behind me, or you can go to highlandchurch.org on the homepage of the website, scroll down to the events section, and click on Connections Lunch Slide, and it will take you to a link to register. We hope you'll join us. Well, 94 years ago, a small group of people planted deep roots in this place when they formed the Highland Church. Their vision was to create a church where people proclaimed the good news of Jesus and invited people to follow Jesus and to love and serve other people in the name of Christ. If these walls could talk, they'd whisper a thousand stories telling of God's faithfulness and love. Although you can't see it, some of these stories are represented on stones that line our baptistry wall. Each stone bears the name of someone who was significant in telling God's story. My name and many of yours are written on these hidden stones. Today, we celebrate the recent baptisms of Braley Aston and Sam and Rowan East. Here are the stones that have their names on them because they're now part of this beautiful story of God's faithfulness. They will continue to tell the story of God with their lives and by inviting people to join them in their journey of following Jesus. To follow Jesus requires, it requires something from us. It requires to give of our time, our talent, and our treasure as we serve together here at Highland, in Abilene, and around the world. There are lots of ways to serve using your time and talent, and if you need some ideas, let us know because we'd be glad to help you. There are also several ways that you can give of your treasure today. You can go online to highlandchurch.org give and make your donation there. You can also place a check in the offering boxes along the back wall or cash along the back wall. And um, you can also text to give. We believe with everything that is in us that God will bless and multiply what you give today. And our leaders are committed to being good stewards of what you entrust to Highland. May the peace of Christ be in you today. I want to celebrate a little bit of that, of that stewardship uh, today uh, in the assembly. I'm going to invite Brian Gibbs and Chris Riley to come forward, along with Ro Robert uh, Lopez de Castilla. He is our, as we announced about a month ago, our brand new campus minister, and we are thrilled to have him on staff. And today is the day where we are going to ordain Robert as a minister here at the Highland Church. Uh, Robert comes from San Antonio, and he graduated from ACU in 2017. He began working uh, at ACU in 2019, and then he finished his graduate work in 2022. Uh, he transitioned from the chapel office to our campus ministry this summer, and we are thrilled to have him as well as Sierra and their son Christian as part of our team. 
Uh, and I can tell you the truth that Robert has already made a significant difference in the lives of the students that attend Highland. Uh, if you were to travel up to the uh, university room on Sunday morning or you were to show back up here on Sunday night for DIG or if you were to wander around campus where you see Robert interacting with students as I have. I've had a meetings with Robert in the library and, and I don't get to talk to him very much because we keep getting interrupted by all these students that come by and I got to tell you that's the right thing. Campus ministry is, is dear and close to the heart of the vision of the Highland Church of Christ. It was about a year ago when we were trying to figure out where each ministry fits in our vision to restore Highland, restore Abilene, restore the world. And campus ministry was the only thing that we do that fit in all three slots. The students here help us stay, grow young, help us to engage in meaningful relationships intergenerationally. They're part of our worship team. You see them on the platform nearly every Sunday. They restore Highland. Our students are sent out in service into our city and onto our campuses to, to be light and salt to their friends and those that they meet. Not only this, but we send these students. Every four years, another group of students leaves this place to go to parts unknown around Texas, around America, around the world. And they carry with them some of the DNA that Highland has given them about what community should look like, about how to be faithful to Jesus when it's easy and when it's hard, about what does it look like to serve the least of these in the name of Jesus. Robert, we're grateful for your service here at Highland, and we stand beside you with hopeful expectation of what God will continue to do through you for the sake of this church and this city and this world. Now we're gonna participate in something very important. The people of God believe God pays attention when we make covenants with each other, like we are about to do with Robert. To God, these words are, we are about to say are binding. In heaven this morning, they will hear our commitments to each other, and we believe God will empower us to stay faithful to our promises so that God's church may participate in the restoration of the whole world. Uh, one of our elders, Brian Gibbs, will now lead us in Robert's ordination. Church, this morning we're here as God's family to ordain and install Robert Lopez de Castilla to Christian ministry as our university minister at Highland. We do so in humility and gratitude for God's work which continues through Robert. Robert, God called you to serve at Highland. The words of the gospel lay the very foundation of the purpose of the church to serve others in the name of Jesus. As Matthew says, whenever you gave a drink of cool water, fed the hungry, welcomed the stranger, or visited the prisoner, you did so for me. The very essence of the kingdom of God in the Gospel of Luke is to provide comfort to the afflicted, offer hope to the burdened, and celebrate God's good news to all. Let these words from Scripture support the covenant we make with you today, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Robert, if you're willing to so commit yourself after I read each one of the following phrases, please say, I will. Robert, will you be a disciple of Jesus Christ, offering your whole being as God's servant in word and deed because you yourself have received his grace and salvation? I will. Will you be a good steward of the gifts of service and leadership that God has given you for the edification and equipping of his church to his glory? I will. Will you be a friend and leader among, our, among your coworkers as brothers and sisters in Christ, appreciating their perspectives and unique gifts for ministry? I will. Will you show God's love and grace to all people as you work for the reconciliation and restoration of the world? I will. Great. Thank you. Robert, we give thanks for that covenant, and we ask God's blessings on your ministry. Church, now it's our turn to make a covenant with Robert. I would like to invite you to do this by saying we do after I read uh, the statements on the screen. Do you, as members of the Highland Church, accept Robert Lopez de Castilla as your university minister, promising both to support and work with him in the areas of ministry? We do. We do. do you commit to encourage him, to pray for him, and to be sensitive to his needs as a brother in Christ? We do. We do. do you dedicate yourselves to the ministries God has given us, concerning our city, realizing that Robert cannot assume the responsibility for what God has given us to do. We do. Based on these covenants, I want to anoint you to administer of the, sorry, the university minister and the Highland Church of Christ. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to anoint Robert. We thank you for the way that you've called him to this ministry. We're so proud of who he is and the steps that he's taken to become who you want him to be. We also thank you for this church and for its willingness to support him. We thank you for the realization that he cannot do this alone, but through the support of Highlands leaders, fellow ministers, volunteers, and members of this ministry that he can do your will. We thank you for the opportunities that are before him and that we have as a church in this city to minister to the churches and to the um, universities that make up our city. We thank you for the opportunities that we have in that. In your son's name I pray, amen.
If you're able, please stand for the reading of the word. This morning, I'll be reading from Romans 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. You are in the spirit, since the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, then the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we're obligated not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, Highland. Good to see you here today. My name is Shane Hughes. I'm one of the ministers here, and I'm delighted that you came and uh, were part of our worship service today. It means a lot for you to show up and commune with one another, to engage in one, with one another, to encourage each other. We're kind of in the middle of this series, and we're, we're turning a page uh, this week. We've, we've been thinking about the, uh, the deceitful ideas the lies that come from the evil one, right? That deceitful ideas are, are the, the main, in fact, perhaps the only tool that the evil one uses in, in spiritual warfare. And you have to battle against these lies. And that, the battleground that, that, that exists is in your mind. That's the, that's the front line of where, where you fight the evil one. But sometimes those deceitful ideas, uh, they play into your body. They, be, they become disordered desires. And that's what we call the flesh. And that's what we're going to think about for the next couple ideas. How do disordered desires or disordered passions shape the way that we understand ourselves and our behavior? Because what happens, the second last pace of where we're going to head is that those disordered desires are normalized in a sinful society. And so deceitful ideas that come from the devil that play into disordered desires, that's our our flesh, that are normalized in a sinful society. We're going to call that the world. For example, how does this happen? Well, for the last few weeks, I've made some goals for myself, and the goals are very simple. It's run 10 miles a week and swim about two miles a week, and don't don't drink anything that has sugar in it. Um, And then the last one probably sounds... Um, silly, but it's absolutely true. No second breakfast. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Because you eat breakfast with your family, and then on the way to work, La Popular, like that siren song, calls you in. Don't eat second breakfast. I don't care what the hobbits do. Their metabolism is different than mine. I don't eat that. I don't need that, right? 
And so I've set these kind of four goals, these four habits that I want to engage in week to week to week. And maybe that disordered desire of second breakfast sometimes plays out. Like this week. For example, I thought to myself, I should eat second breakfast at Whataburger. Because you will be both happier if you just stop at Whataburger and less hungry. That's the devil's lie, right? Notice it's a lie that plays already into an existing desire. A little bit of hunger. Should not be feeling hunger at 8.45 after I ate breakfast at 7.45, but here we are. But it's, it's playing into this existing desire. And I have this desire for satiation. I want to feel full, not just not be hungry anymore. I want to feel full. And then more French fries taste good. And that's, I am a little hungry. Also, I'm a grown man. I can eat what I want. And what I choose to eat will be free because I use the app. This is the flesh being played out. And so this week, I broke my rule, my goal, and I walked into Whataburger. And I walk in the place, and there's lots of people in there. And everyone there wants second breakfast. And everyone there loves burgers. And so this bad habit, this lie that crept into my mind, it exists in my body, gets normalized in a sinful society. Now, I realize eating breakfast, second breakfast is a stretch to call that sinful, but it's, it's not what I wanted. It was doing the thing I don't want to do. It's kind of that Romans 7 self. And that's how this works. But the reality is you could trade out Whataburger for stepping out on your spouse or lying at work or prideful habits any number of other destructive, sinful notions that we might have, deceitful ideas that play to a disordered desires normalized in a sinful society. And so for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the devil and and then a biblical look that talked about how the devil's lies impact our lives. But now I want us to look at the second enemy of the soul, the flesh. And this is where we find ourselves today in Romans chapter 8. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 8, because we're going to hear what Paul talked about, about a life governed by the Spirit versus a life governed by the flesh. And we've already heard it once, but I want to read it one more time, and I want you to focus on something different that will help us understand how to resist and overcome the spiritual enemy referred to as the flesh. So if you have your Bible, turn to Romans 8. We're going to begin in verse 1. It'll also be on the screen, but before we do that, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful to be gathered here. Father, today I am grateful for the confessions of our children as they put in your name in baptism. I'm grateful for the ordination of Robert as we make commitments to one another about the value of our campus ministry. Father, I'm also grateful for the commitments that we make day by day and week by week and month by month and year by year to remember our baptism to remember the power of the Spirit that dwells in us, that sets us free from the law of sin and death. So, Father, remind us of the power of your Spirit this morning. Turn our hearts to the power and the freedom of what it means to live as a Christian. And to that end, I pray that you pour through me the gift of preaching, that I might speak your truth and love to these, your people. 
It's together that the church says. Amen. All right, so listen to the players. I want you to hear in Romans chapter 8 the players. I want you to notice the way Paul talks about these two concepts of the flesh and the spirit. The spirit with a capital S, not a, not a lowercase spirit, but the spirit, part of the Trinity. Which one is good and which one is bad? That shouldn't be a hard question for you to figure out here. But, but for, as an illustration, think about it this way. Imagine somebody's talking about their two roommates. One is great and one is a disaster. Pay attention to which is which. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of the life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to deal with sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, so that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For this reason, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you... But you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. So the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in, in you, then the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit that dwells in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are obligated not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, or if by the spirit you put the deeds, that, I'm sorry, but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Okay, so, Who's, who's the good roommate in this situation? That's not a tricky answer. The good roommate is the spirit, right? And who's the bad roommate? This, again, it's not complicated. The bad roommate is the flesh. One is great, one is a liability, but they both live there. And if you let one be in charge, the place is going to be a mess. If you let the other one call the shots, it leads to life and peace. So let's talk for a minute about what Paul means when he uses the term the flesh. In, Greeks, that's, in the Greek, that's sarx. And sometimes it's just referred to, used to refer to a body. It's just like in skin or muscle or meat. It's like the flesh or the, on a person or on an animal. That's how John describes Jesus when he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so when you encounter the word flesh in the New Testament, you have to pay attention to the context because it kind of has this dual meaning. Sometimes it's just flesh, but other times it means something else. Other places in the New Testament, it's used to refer to the sinful desires and the urges within us. For example, uh, Paul speaks of the lust of the flesh and the desires of the flesh. And we have to realize that not all desires are bad in and of themselves. 
if we define desires as kind of your appetites or your instincts, and philosophers and thinkers throughout history have referred to them as our animal instincts, but that implies that somehow they're less than human. You have desires, you have urges for things like food and sex and pleasure and survival and domination and control, and, and all of those things exist. Now, you can probably imagine how those desires became a root cause for sin and evil and a chaotic way of life. But each of these things in their proper context are good things. Hunger, food, it's good. You need to eat it to survive. Our desire for food is like an alarm clock telling us time to refuel. Um, sex is good. It's a God-ordained thing. That's how you got here, after all. Pleasure is good. Everyone loves a delicious meal or a delightful and joyful conversation, a good foot massage. Those all things bring pleasure. That's great. There's a sense of control that you need to cultivate, how you arrange things, how you order the world around you. You have a desire in you to survive, to live. That's good. That's the way God made you. They're not bad desires. They're all part of how God created us. They're all there for a reason. But the problem is, is that when we don't have control over these desires, they begin to control us. They control us when we don't put them in their proper place. And when we don't tame them, they wreak havoc in our lives. So remember the formula for the devil's strategy, right? Deceitful ideas lead to disordered desires that are normalized in a sinful, desire, sinful society. We all have desires, but if they get out of control or they begin to drive the bus, they can become a problem. It's like emotions. They often happen to us without warning. And you kind of get surprised. You can get sideswiped by your emotions, whether they're joy or happiness or, or frustration and anger. And you, we tell our kids a lot, you can't control what you will feel or what will make you feel mad or sad or jubilant. Often those things are out of your control. But you can control what you do with those feelings. For example, if you can teach your children to say, I'm so mad, that's a way of expressing themselves. Or, and if that leads them to yell or slam a door, that's disordered desire. But they can also take a deep breath and use words to explain why they feel that way. That's a good, ordered desire. It means that anger is not driving the bus. Our desires should hit us in a similar way. You can't always control the strength of your desire, but you can and should control how you respond to them. I have a friend that made a comment that really, like, it, it struck so true to me because I've had the same desire. He said, he said, whenever I see a play, whether it's like his kids' plays in elementary school or Broadway show, whenever he says a play, he has the strong urge to walk up on stage and interrupt it. Like he thinks he just wanders in his head. It's like this daydream during the play. I wonder what they would do if I just walked up there and picked somebody up, one of the actors, and carried them outside. And I have confessed, like I've had that same urge sometimes. Like, what if you just took one of those actors off the stage? What would they do? But you don't actually do that, right? You control that urge. No one would disrupt a play like that. That's, that's, that's a disordered desire. 
The problem is, is when we let our desires for food and sex, pleasure, control steer the ship because they lead to addiction and lust, sexual immorality, abuse, self-interest, violence, and revenge. So listen to what Paul says what we should do with these different characters that live with us each day, these two different roommates. The Spirit, Paul says, should govern that we live in accordance with the Spirit and that the Spirit gives life. The flesh weakens. It does not. In fact, it cannot. It is not capable of pleasing God. And it leads to misdeeds and eventually to death. So the wisdom of Romans 8 is that we live by the Spirit and not by the flesh. But this advice is becoming less and less acceptable in our culture. There's this growing chorus of voices that is telling us to do what we want, to give in to your urges, and to doing so is being true to yourself. You got to be me. You got to be real. You do you. Be true to yourself and give in to whatever those urges are. But biblical wisdom says, tame your desires and live according to the Spirit. Worldly wisdom says the opposite. It's polarized by Sigmund Freud. And here I'm borrowing from Comer in the 20th 20th century, that the message of healthy self-exploration and expression is that you should listen and obey to your desires. And don't let anyone else tell you what you should do, not your family, not your church, not even God. So if I went back to my original example, my desire is telling me to eat second breakfast at Whataburger, and I think I would really enjoy that and be a lot happier, then Freud would say, that's what you should do. Cholesterol and potential stroke later, that's what makes you happy. That's what you should do. Even Shakespeare knew this was a bad idea. There's a quote from Shakespeare's Hamlet that people like to throw around, and the quote goes something like this. This is above all, to thine own self be true. Be true to yourself. But what you often don't remember, and if you're a careful study of Shakespeare, as particularly in Hamlet, is that this sage advice is spoken by Polonius, who in the story is a fool. He's the despicable character who makes foolish choices, and he's not respected by his children. To thy own self be true. And so I want to push against this idea in culture that that's actually wisdom. And I want to explore it by asking the question, which self? Which self am I being true to as I drive along South First, headed to Whataburger, and there's a desire in me tempted to pull in? Which self am I being true to? Is it the self that I just spent 45 minutes subduing? by forcing it to run around my neighborhood? Is it the self that desires to live long enough to see children grow up and grandchildren be born and enjoy retirement and do more than just on the floor gasping for breath? Is it that self? Or is it the self that says, you know what we need right now? A cheeseburger. Which self am I being true to? Is it the spirit within me, or is it the flesh? I don't know about you, but I, I don't need any more help making bad decisions 
or coming up with justifications for being led by my strongest urges. I don't need any of that. What I do need is a new life in Christ. What I need is a life that's being led by the Spirit. So I want to finish today by talking about this is what you need to do. You probably have heard that expression. I don't know if it's true or not. Feed a cold, starve a fever. When you're sick and you have a cold, eat lots of food. When you have a fever, don't eat anything. Just drink fluids. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's not. But I want to apply it in a way that is true. In this case, I want you to feed the spirit and starve the flesh. Paul says this in Galatians chapter 5. Walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Crucify the flesh and live in step with the spirit. And we, we feed the spirit by consistently practicing spiritual disciplines of faith. And if you need some guidance in this, then uh, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. It's a book that's over 50 years old now, and it is still, when it gets reprinted, comes to the bestsellers of the, the Christian book lists. It is a terrific book about teaching you how to do the disciplines that feed the spirit. And on the other hand, you identify the sinful desires for what they are. Call them out, expose them to light, and tame them. And so I want to suggest to you that you take a little homework home this week. And for this entire series, that's what we've been trying to do, is to assign you ways to be aware of the lies that the evil one is telling you. Learn how to, to speak against them with Scripture and hold those Scriptures in your heart. And now we're moving to our bodies. And so I want to assign you two assignments this week. The two main disciplines that help us live by the Spirit and not flesh are fasting and confession. And we're going to talk about more of this in the next couple of weeks, but I want you to challenge, I want to challenge you to try the both out this week. If you have that note in your, in your phone that you're kind of keeping track, you're following along this week, I want you to pull that out now, and I want you to assign yourself fasting and confession. So fasting is going to be very easy. If you've never done this before, I want you to start small. You don't have to go on a three-day water fast or a 40-day water fast. That means you only drink water. Um, I just want you to skip one meal. And if that's not enough, skip two meals and do it on purpose. Don't do it because you worked through lunch because you were so busy and you didn't remember it. Skip a meal on purpose and then pay attention to how your body and mind will freak out and resist doing that. So maybe one day wake up in the morning, skip breakfast. And if you're not like really feeling hungry, or maybe if you are feeling hungry by lunch, skip lunch too. And then just notice how you feel at around 3.30 or 4 o'clock. The reason that we fast is for two purposes. The first is it's going to connect with what I'm saying to you personally, not just your mind, but to your body. It'll give you a concrete experience that makes you aware of how much our desires try to control us. Sometimes I can't even fast between the meals that I'm supposed to eat, right? It'll also give you practice taming your appetites. It will give you the experience of telling your body, no, you don't get what you want. Just because you're hungry, you don't get food. And just because your, your tummy is rumbling, I mean, there's certain circumstances and medical conditions where you need to speak to a doctor, but just because your tummy says you're hungry does not mean you have to eat. And if you can learn that truth, imagine what that would do 
into relationships with sexual addiction or drinking or a thousand other places. Your body's not in control. In the same way that my body hurts after two and a half miles and all I do after that point is tell my body, my body says I want to stop and I just say, no, you're going to finish. I don't care how you feel. We're going to finish this, you know, 5K. Um, The same is true about food. So I want you to skip one meal and if it's not enough, skip two meals and notice that your body is hungry. Then practice telling yourself, telling your body, no, I'm in charge. I say when we eat, not you. I say when we eat, not you. The second is confessing. Confessing our sins to God is good, and we know there's forgiveness in Christ. But confessing our sins to one another when we're with other people, it, it can make you feel very vulnerable. We don't like to admit when we're wrong, and it takes trust and practice, especially if we're not used to it. So for now, what I want us to do is to practice confession together by reading a liturgical confessional prayer. And I want you to pray this with me in, in just a second. I want you to practice being vulnerable. And we're all going to say the same words. We're all going to say them out loud together. But what I want you to do is lean into the idea of that feeling of being vulnerable. And how does that feel when you confess to someone else? How you confess to God? And there's going to come a place in your life as you grow spiritually where that feeling of vulnerability is actually becomes intimacy with God or someone else. What feels like the most unnatural thing to to do in the world, like not eating or confessing to someone else, becomes how you feed the Spirit. And so for our benediction, please stand. And if you're willing... Uh, let's, let's pray with one another. Say this with me if you can. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. May you go in peace.
失败。